Bonus So Money Ask Farnoosh with Charles Schwab's Justin Sinnott, Certified Financial Professional and Financial Consultant. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome to a bonus episode of So Money, everybody. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. We have an extra episode today. We're in conversation with Justin Sinnott, who is a certified financial professional and financial consultant in Charles Schwab's Seattle branch. We're answering your money questions that have come through on Instagram and the website. We've got questions about whether or not to pay down a mortgage early, how to tackle family planning and buying a home at the same time. And how much is too much to save for retirement? As many of you know, I'm working with Charles Schwab to help spread financial literacy to the masses. And it's been a really great collaboration so far. We're doing these extra bonus episodes once a month. I'm a Charles Schwab customer and have been for many years. So before we get started, just want to thank Charles Schwab for helping us get this financial education content to you. All right, here we go. Without further ado, hitting the mailbag with Justin Sinnott. Justin Sinnott, welcome to Ask Farnoosh, our special bonus episode. Very grateful to have you sharing the mic with me. Welcome. Well, thank you. It's quite a pleasure to be with you. All the way from Seattle, too. How's it going there in Seattle? Oh, Seattle's a little rainy and wet, uh, which is uh, quite usual for out this way. Well, I can't say that it's been dry here on the East Coast. I feel I think DC had like a month straight of rain. And uh, I don't know, I guess that's a good thing. It's good for the Mother Earth, but not so fun when you're in it. How did you land in Seattle? Have you always been from the Pacific Northwest? Well, I actually grew up in the Aleutian Islands of Alaska uh, in the middle of the Bering Sea in a small town uh, called Dutch Harbor. It uh, was most recently made famous by the Discovery Channel's Deadliest Catch. Oh. Um, my uh, my parents went up there in the 70s for the king crab fishery, and uh, the rest is history, as they say. I got my job at Charles Schwab actually by way of internship in 1999 between my junior and senior year of college. I had no idea that I was going to fall in love with the financial services industry, um, but uh, this internship uh, became available to me. I walked in the door here at Schwab in Seattle and never looked back. It's been a phenomenal career, and I'm very proud to say that uh, this is my 19th year here wow. at Charles Schwab. So uh, it's been fantastic for me. I'm picking up on a trend now. You're probably my fifth or sixth uh, Charles Schwab consultant who's been on the show. And over and over again, I'm hearing, you know, I've been with Schwab for seven years, for 11 years. You said 16, 19 years? 19 years this year. Yes. Wow. What drew you to the space? I mean, you say you love it, but what, what was like sort of like the moment that you realized this is what I, this is, I'm a lifer. I'm a financial lifer. (laughs) Well, I, I learned early that I had a passion for helping others and wanting to figure out what their circumstances were and then providing as much value as possible, regardless of the situation. And Charles Schwab is really founded on that. I mean, 
back in the day, it was come here and be your own stockbroker. Um, but Schwab also has relentlessly continued to improve upon the services that they provide uh, to the folks that we're w- looking to serve. We certainly have our foundation in the come here and do it yourself. But as our, situa- as our client situations became more complex and their needs became uh, more uh, complicated, uh, we naturally added services to support those needs. And so I've been very fortunate that, you know, not only has Schwab services evolved, but that kind of matched right up with my career and what it is that I wanted to do. Um, so early on, um, having the, this passion for helping others led me to want to add some additional professional designations, becoming a certified financial planner, uh, and then most recently a uh, accredited wealth strategist. These all just help me complement what it is that we're already doing for our clients and be the best that we can be for those that we're serving. I think you're an overachiever, but that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I think it's so nice that you're so dedicated. Well, I'm really, again, so excited to have you on. We have questions from listeners everything from how to manage a mortgage, how to manage you know, having a baby and wanting to buy a home and a lot of financial planning questions, which you're an ace at. So the first question comes from Pawnee who writes in and she says, or I think it's a she, apologies. I, I, I don't know. I guess that's a good thing. Let's not put a gender on this. What does it matter? Money knows no gender. But the question is, she, he has a mortgage on the house of about 650 thousand dollars. This person is able to pay it off at the end of the year, but wondering if it's the best thing to do, perhaps maybe the better thing to do is to take some of the extra money and invest it in something else. Um, Pawnee says that the monthly mortgage payments are manageable and there's no other debt in the picture. I think really to be able to answer this, Justin, at least one of the things that really is helpful to know is what is the interest rate on this mortgage, because part of this is a math equation. The other part of it is a bit of an emotional situation, because sometimes if you just want to do something in your financial life because it's going to be less stressful for you, I think there's merit in that. Absolutely. And I, and I think the other thing is we're going to need to solve for kind of their greater holistic situation. You know, is it that they want to be uh, debt-free because their financial situation is about to change. Uh, It may be a manageable mortgage now, um, but are they going to have some sort of a job change or an income, you know, situation that, that might be impacting them? So I think that not only does it come down to, you know, the interest rate on the mortgage or what would be the expected rate of return or whatever, whatever other investment strategy they might enter into. um, But how does this, uh, impact their greater financial situation? What does their overall balance sheet look like? Uh, for example, you know, what is the home worth? Is, you know, does it make sense to potentially do a little bit of both, pay down some of the mortgage, uh, maybe invest um, the other portion? So a lot of things, I think, come down to kind of the pros and cons and how they might complement one another. Totally. And I guess just to also maybe simplify it a little bit, uh, if you were just to look at this through the lens of where is your money going to get the most ROI? I think that it may be, if like, like, let's say they got this mortgage, you know, five, six years ago when rates were really low and they're still pretty low, relatively speaking. Um, let's say the mortgage is like 4%, 4.5%. Do you think that it would then be wiser to be a long-term investor with your money in 
the U.S. stock market? I know we can't give specific stock recommendations on this show, but generally speaking, when is it a smarter idea to put your money in the market if you have the choice, let's say, of paying down debt or investing? Yeah. So I think the hierarchy is that, you know, if your home is well capitalized, meaning you've got 20 or 25% or more in equity, then you might start checking off the list of other areas with regard to investment. If you're looking at a globally diversified portfolio of stocks uh, and bonds, uh, you're probably expecting a rate of return of say, you know, five to 6% on a long-term go forward basis. Now that could have near term bumps, you know, given the state of the current economy and so on and so forth. But I think it's prudent to be thinking about, is this a five year, 10 year or 20 year plus plan? And then therefore we might want to be looking at, a, you know, a combination of the other, um, you know, investment versus the debt payoff. The other thing I would say too is, you know, there might be some other uses of this money, you know, for example, is there an emergency fund? Um, or mm -hmm. are we already fully contributing to our 401k? Do we have other uh, retirement plans that we should be thinking about or uh, other, other competing goals? It, it's not necessarily just, you know, a black and white, I think, answer, but it's one that many are asking. Yeah, it's a good question, Pawnee. Thank you for asking it. And we hope we were able to give you some, you know, some strategies, some things to think about. Sounds like Pawnee's in a good place, though. I mean, I'd, be, I'd love to be able to pay off my mortgage at the end of this year. <laughs> it's a nice <laughs> yeah, option with that to number, have. for sure. <laughs> um, Sarah is not a homeowner yet, but she has a question for us about homeownership. She is, just for some background, Justin, she's 29. She lives in Marin County, California, which um, first thing I thought when I read that was expensive, beautiful, but expensive. Um, she's recently married and within the last six months, uh, she's actually gotten married and they've been combining their finances. She is the main breadwinner and manages the couple's finances and wanted to have some uh, feedback from us as far as how to do two things at once, two big things. One, she wants to purchase a home. And then she also wants to plan for a baby within the next year. She's not pregnant yet, um, but she just kind of wants to know, again, if, it's a, if we're talking about financial planning and hierarchy, like how to prioritize these two pretty big life goals. Um, just also some background on her. She says that her job has a pretty poor family-dependent benefits, a pretty bad maternity plan, but they do have unlimited paid time off, which is great. Um, wow. So wondering, you know, how much they should realistically be saving from their salary to, uh, you know, prepare for this uh, family planning. And is it really just too far-fetched to do both at the same time? Also wondering, should I pull money from our Roth for a down payment? They do have a little bit of student loan debt, about $27,000. They're able to make those minimums. They do have some money in Roth IRAs, about thirty-eight grand. They are um, putting the max um, in that Roth every year. They also have about $40,000 combined in their 401ks. Emergency fund is three and a half, uh, three point five uh, thousand, thirty five hundred dollars. They don't have any other kind of savings though because they just finished paying off their wedding and honeymoon. Their parents are gifting them some money for a down payment though. Wow. So I mean, just off the top of my head, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Justin. Too. I mean, I'm a mom of two. 
I do own a home. I did get married and have a wedding and all the things. And I, I was able to accomplish everything. I paced myself. We paced ourselves. You know, we didn't have a kid and buy a home in the same year. I think that's taking on a lot. And so I would, you know, go back to you. I mean, I'm not Sarah and I'm not her husband. So I can't say definitively what it should take priority, but I think that's for them to decide. Is it more important for them to, be homeowners first and have that settled and out of the way before family planning or, you know, she's 29. She's not like 39 where maybe the window of having a child likelihood is, is narrowing. She's got time if she's able to, you know, have kids. I would say, you know, maybe you could, you could afford to wait to, to start trying for the baby in the meantime, you know, saving your money. Sh- getting out of debt to then be able to purchase that home. I think first things first, they got to get out of some of that student loan debt, especially if it's carrying a high interest rate. I'd like to see that come down. And I'd love to see their emergency fund shore up. I'd love for them to get to a place where they've got about six months of savings set aside, separate from the savings for a down payment. And then they can go for the house and then they can maybe go for the kid. But I just I just feel like we need to cert- certainly... I understand first, like, what do they want? What is it that they want, you know? And, and hopefully try to take some of the external pressure off the plate. Maybe their parents are pushing them to have the baby. Every parent wants a baby as soon as you get married. Yes. Like, slow yes. down, yes. mom. Yeah. What do you think, Justin? <laughs> well, I, I think you bring up just about every single point I would make. Um, this particular scenario screams for a conversation yeah. and one that allows us to create some form of a plan, a wealth plan, uh, something that would allow us to start to identify what the priorities are. Um, I really like what you brought out there in, in your points uh, with regard to uh, the debt and, and the emergency fund. Um, one thing that I've found in the years that I've been doing this is that, you know, at times folks get a little bit uh, in a hurry uh, to get things done and they bite off a little bit more than they can chew. And then a year or two years later, they look back and go, oh gosh, wish I would have slowed down just a little bit uh, and tap the brakes. Um, I think getting, um, you know, that emergency fund taken care of uh, should be priority, uh, especially if you're considering, um, you know, taking some time away from work uh, or because you've got a baby on the way or you're planning for that first child. It's important to be in a position of financial strength uh, if you have the ability to plan ahead for that. Do you have a family, Justin? Uh, I do. Thank you for asking. I've, uh, I'm married. Uh, we've got two daughters. They're 11 and 8. Um, and so I've got a little bit of experience, uh, you know, around uh, what it takes to, to plan for the family and, and to take care of things. That's awesome. I mean, I, I, I want to go back to also her point about working for a company that has kind of subpar maternity leave and dependent benefits. I think that if she loves working there, that's one thing. But I also feel like when you become a parent, where you work is of the utmost. And you want to work for an employer that really does um, understand and appreciate that you have another life that may involve taking care of other people, whether that's your children, your parents. And so work, working for an employer that is flexible, that has good benefits, um, that might be something to look into. Now that you've got the time, you know, um, 
as you're looking ahead and thinking, I do want to become a parent, these things are important. They're not just important because they're going to help you have an easier life, but financially too. I mean, PTO, unlimited PTO, let me just tell you, this is like kind of, uh, uh, I, I don't trust unlimited PTO. I think companies that advertise unlimited PTO, you're not going to get three months off. You know, I just think that's like unlimited is sort of, um, it's, it's not an accurate word. I think that, you know, maybe two weeks, three weeks is one thing, but like you want to take, you know, four months off to be with your baby and create your own maternity plan around unlimited PTO, I would, I would be shocked if a company approved that. Um, but you know, look into it. I would say just look further into these benefits, talk to other colleagues who have, um, maybe had children at your job and how they manage and traversed uh, parenthood as they worked there, because you'll learn a lot that way too. It'll be, um, hopefully informative and then you can make a healthier decision as far as whether to stay or go. But good luck to you, Sarah. All right. Next up is Barb. And she has a question about, you'll love this, Justin, her Roth 401k. She's got a Roth 401k through her place of employment. And they, check this out, they're matching up to 50% on the first 6% of her income. And she can contribute up to 10% of her income should she also sign up for the traditional 401k and have both up to the max of the match. Seems like free money, she says, but I'd like to hear your thoughts. I mean, I I think if she can do it, she should, right? Don't, I feel like if you've got a a match at work, like please optimize it. Yeah, there are very few guarantees in terms of return. Um, so yeah, 100%, you need to be putting in at minimum, uh, the amount to get your match and she should be commended if, if she has the ability to put away up to 10% of her income, that's, that's a really great start, um, and can set her up for the future in terms of setting aside that money and paying herself first. The one thing I'd like her to double check though, is whether or not she can truly put in the max to both the traditional and the Roth. Right. Uh, my understanding is that your, your max and aggregate uh, at $19,000 a year for your own personal contributions. So she should just be careful that she's not double counting that and doesn't get into a situation where she's over contributing. The other thing to note too, is that with regard to Roth 401ks, typically you're putting your personal contributions into the Roth and then the company is putting their match into the traditional. So based on this example here, she's probably already getting a little bit of both going into those two places. Mm -hmm. And that can create some diversification of uh, tax liability later. Of course, the Roth 401k grows tax-free and you don't get the tax deduction on the front end. Um, If she was to put personal monies into the traditional, she would get the tax deduction, but then she would have to pay taxes on in the future on uh, the growth when she withdraws it. Um, so some things to think about there in terms of where her tax bracket might be right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, yes, absolutely be putting in the amount to get the match. All right, Barb, looks like you're headed for a nice retirement at this rate. Thanks for your question. Thanks for listening to the show. All right. One last question here from a listener. And she says that, um, you know, she wants to become an artist and she wants to make a living from being creative, specifically a musician. So wondering, is it smart to get a job as a stepping stone to pay the bills while building towards being a full-time artist? Or 
Should I just take the leap and go for it? In <laughs> um, the second scenario where she just goes for it, uh, what would that look like? Any tips and insights are greatly appreciated. Well, first of all, kudos to you for wanting to pursue your passion. And I think it's really brave, frankly, of anybody who decides to make this kind of a move. Because I think like just personally, even for me, going into a quasi-creative field like journalism, as opposed to something more technical like medicine or law. I mean, I'm Middle Eastern. So my parents kind of thought they had a different vision for me. Let's just put it that way of like what my career path would be. And I had a pretty hard time convincing them. It worked out, but I can only imagine what it's like for something even more unpredictable, like becoming a musician or an actress or, you know, someone in the real creative space. So commend, I, I just want to commend this listener for, for being brave and taking the leap. I mean, I'm really practical, Justin. I, I'm pretty, my risk tolerance is not very high. I think that, that you want to be strategic about this and you want to be successful. And so taking the leap and just going for it, that's like diving into the deep end. You're not a swimmer and you forgot your swimmies, you know, (laughs) it's, it can happen. Certainly there are a lot of like lightning strikes, certainly. And, but I would much rather this be a plan that you have and, you know, you take a year to work, to build up your savings, to maybe moonlight in the field as a musician. I mean, musicians typically get gigs at night on the weekends. You could very easily, I think, work a nine to five and then also do this double shift of practicing your art, but really make it the point and the goal to save as much as you can. And we say like save 10% of your paycheck. If you want to become an entrepreneur and, and buy yourself the time and afford yourself the ability to really focus on that and not have to have a nine to five, and income coming in, I think you want to have about a year, nine months to a year's worth of your expenses shored up, saved somewhere so that you can experiment with this and give yourself really the opportunity to try it out and not feel like, well, if it doesn't work out in three weeks or in four months, I have to go back to corporate America. You know, a year is a very generous amount of time for you to really try something for real and and kind of get into a groove and build momentum towards this, you know, ultimate career of becoming a musician. So what did you just hear? I said you nine to 12 months of savings, get that nine to five now, just make it your plan that you're going to work hard for that year, build up as much money as you can. And then if you feel really good at the end of the year, confident that that money can support you for a good year, then I think you might want to Maybe not completely quit your day job, have something, you know, some sort of side hustle, bringing in some income. But I think at that point, I feel better about telling you to go for it then and taking the leap. What do you think, Justin? Do you have like a side passion? Do you have something that you, I'm, I, I do stand up comedy on the side as my, you know, my stress release. <laughs> well, I don't have anything near as exciting as that. My my sort of side passion is adventure racing. So I participate in Spartan, uh, what? Spartan races. Are you kidding? Uh, you, that's so exciting. That is so much cooler than stand-up comedy. Tell me all about this. Uh, <laughs> well, I, you know, it's, it's, 
kind of like uh, going to military boot camp uh, with regard to Spartan races. You've got to run uh, various lengths depending upon the type of race. Some of them are short, like three to five miles. Some are as long as 13. You complete obstacles throughout the race. You're climbing over walls, crawling under barbed wire, going across the monkey bars, um, carrying a big atlas ball. There's various things that you need to do. Uh, if you don't complete one of the um, obstacles, then you're required to do a number of burpees. Uh, it's, it's, I, I was telling my mother about this, and she says, you pay for this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You pay for this torture? Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, but it, it you know it's a good time. I usually rope a couple of friends into it. Uh, in the middle of the last race that we did, my friend Terry said to me, he says, "I used to like you." <laughs> so, uh, You've changed, but uh, you know it, it's good. It's good times. It's fun. So, well, I love learning new things about my guests. That is definitely a new thing. I've learned a lot of fun facts about you throughout this interview, Justin. I'm just going to say you're a very interesting, cool person. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, I know you had another point you wanted to bring up, and I'm sorry I kind of stole the the spotlight here, giving her a lot of ideas about how to transition to artistry. But one thing I didn't mention, which I know you really want to talk about, is insurance. You know, because if she does make this jump to self-employment as an artist, that is something that is going to be on her to manage. So any advice there? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Insurance should be high on the priority list because even if this is a young person who's healthy, um, we have to recognize that insurance um, is something that, you know, if you do not have and you end up in a, in a single hospital stay, you know, that could really wipe out, out your savings. Um, and so at the very least, uh, they need to be exploring some sort of a high deductible policy that could cover some sort of catastrophic health event. Um, and that's something that you should, you know, certainly comparison shop and try to check out what's available based on, on your state um, and, and where you're living and see what m- might shake out in terms of the most viable option. But you absolutely have to have some sort of a, a backstop. Uh, in regard to taking care of your health should something go wrong. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. And not to be too boring here, but we really want you to also save for your retirement, even though you're, you know, maybe at, at some point you're not working for an employer, you don't have access to a 401k, don't forget you can still invest in an IRA, traditional or Roth, or even a SEP IRA, which is what I have. And that is sort of like a traditional IRA, but it allows for higher annual contributions. So good luck to you. We really wish you all the best. I don't have this person's name. I think that this person wanted to be kept anonymous. So we will honor that. But do know that we are thinking of you and we support you and let me know how things go. Okay. And how maybe you ended up uh, which road, which path you ended up taking. Justin, thanks for joining. This has been fun. Thank you, Farnoosh. It's been a pleasure. To learn more about Schwab and how to work with them, check out schwab.com slash so money. Schwab offers a range of services for people looking to invest and plan for their future. Whether you want to invest on your own with the help of do-it-yourself tools and educational resources, get some periodic guidance from a professional or work with someone in a branch. You can find it all at schwab.com slash so money. 